You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm halfway out the door right now with his backpack. And I'm not halfway on. out the door. Well, you can be. We're doing that. Just take a quick intro. Yeah. I, he, he volunteered to stick around and be part of the podcast. I, I sure did. Yeah. I told Mutt, I, I was like, you know what? I will be here. I'm going to get you set up for your interview today. Uh, and he's going to go. Hey, so, Mutt, who do we got today? Mile. We got Matt Bernier from Matt uh, Bernier. TVG. Yeah, we, we had him uh, uh, last time you did, was it Belmont? Uh, Breeders' Cup. Breeders' Cup. That's what yes. it was. It's, uh, we are t- uh, as of Saturday, we're eight weeks out from Kentucky Derby 2020. How excited are so you? It's a li- this is a- the eight-week-out mark for me is when I, uh, as we'll talk about with Matt, I start making note cards, Shime. Oh, boy. So a note card for it's each contender. Cards. 56 days Every out. Every Derby contender gets a note card with a little bit of the name, the trainer, the current jockey, and then on the back some notes about what races they've run so far. Because beginning this weekend with the Gotham, the San Felipe, and the Tampa Bay Derby, Start to get some real derby preps under your belts. And when Mutt comes in to record his actual like derby pods, whether it's the Kentucky Derby or the Stakes or the Breeders' Cup or whatever, he comes in. He is dressed to the nines. He has uh, so Seersucker many notes. Usually. He has Seersucker. yeah, so many more notes than I've ever seen him make for anything else in his life. And he comes <laughs> yeah, in the, so well true. prepared. The football podcast. He's got like this little this little he's index got a notebook, card. and it's like one page. This one, he's got like a phone book. I do a one sheet. Yeah, the football. Well, there's. Instead of like you can pick through the games ahead of time. If I there's like twenty horse you're talking about the Kentucky Derby, so you got to be prepared. These guys are right. I'm not an expert. The guests we have on are experts, so I don't look like a complete idiot. And they probably know I am anyway, but I can't embarrass myself. Uh, so I have to say uh, tonight, uh, just because this is a gambling pot, I'm going to give a quick gambling. Okay, pick. when is this going to be up? Uh, just yeah, a reminder. It won't matter tomorrow morning. So I was going to say you're yeah. doing. They're posting this Friday. Yeah, you're right. We're and talking you're about on Thursday. To give a pick for Thursday. Never mind. Okay. Do you have a Friday pick for the people? Uh, I, I can in about well, thirty he had, seconds. He had, he had, I have. I've already picked See, a couple. I just don't remember. I, I have to admit, I've had. I've took taken the entire week off. I suffered my worst. Right. My worst singular loss in. A long time, a long time. I've now maybe hitting. maybe it's a sign that I shouldn't bet as much as I am on the XFL right now. Oh yeah, that's but probably I was an issue. all in on the defenders late Sunday night. The line opened. Vipers uh, were uh, giving a point. I thought it was the worst line ever posted. It went off as defenders minus five and a half. So the line swung six and a half in my direction. I got it a plus one, and they lost twenty three nothing. Twenty three nothing. I was never in the game. It was Sunday night. It was a long weekend. Yikes! And basically after. I get paid tomorrow, and I got to reload the DraftKings account if I want to play some more XFL this weekend. Yeah, I was I'm, all in. I was all in. I'm nine three and one right now in my last fourteen NBA picks, so I'm just I'm riding hot. Here. Uh, someone told somebody at the uh, New Balance gym, uh, Scott Scott New Balance, Scott New Balance. We should rename the Who podcast Shime and Friends because <laughs> you gamble. I, you I gamble, gamble well. I'm gambling poorly, and Anderson doesn't gamble. Oh, well. except Fryer is essentially a member of this podcast. But also, I don't point. think he gambles. Like we have these guys in this gambling Actually, podcast. I'm not sure they bet. So I text ho- Anderson hosts. He doesn't bet. Tweeted at him today. Uh, we got. Uh, I saw John Ewing, our friend at the Action Network, 
tweet it out. Nice little nice little tidbit for you. Ran into him in the bathroom. Yeah, it was a bagel shop. It was great. Tweeted out a little nice little tidbit today. The Warriors... Right now, plus eight tonight, Steph Curry's first game back. So I tweeted at our buddy Nick Fryer. I said, Nick, you're my basketball guy. How do you feel about this? Steph Curry, when playing for the Warriors, has never been an underdog by more than three points, ever. Wow. What, what about when he's not playing for the Warriors? What are those splits there? <laughs> See? Any, anyways, they're plus eight tonight. And so I was like, I don't know. I might want to dabble. They're at home. And Nick's like, I would just avoid that because he's did, only going to play like 25 minutes. when you pronounce it so that way, You're not playing too? anything? You know, nothing Thursday no, night? No, uh, Thursday night, I, I, I really like Sixers. I know they're terrible on the road. Underdogs tonight in Sacramento. Okay. They're taking on the Kings. Kings are like 27 and 34. All right, so you're I kinda like them to win. on Thursday. Nothing Yeah, nice Friday. little sprinkle. Uh, Friday, get- no. Uh, Friday, I love, love the Atlanta Hawks at the Wizards. Trey Young's going to drop like 50. They're getting three points right now. Give me the Hawks Friday night at the Wizards. That's, that's a pick for the podcast. There we go. There I got go. no picks. I, I, you, you you're a busy man. You I were, gambled for three weeks of this football season. That was it. <laughs> then you're, he was down well, thirty dollars, and he's out the door. His last football season. That was those were fun times. His yeah, gamble now is how do I get into Lady you, Gaga Fenway Park? <laughs> how do I get into Gaga? <laughs> that a different podcast. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to approach that situation. But why don't Why don't we throw it to Mutt with Matt Bernier? Matt Bernier, TVG, and uh, the In the Money uh, Players Podcast Group. Yes. All right, in the Matt Bernier Show. Here's Mutt with Matt Bernier. Thank you, Shime. Thank you, Anderson. Uh, you guys can go now. The adults are talking. It's horse racing time. It's Kentucky Derby time. We are, as of Saturday, 8-8-8, eight weeks out. And uh, for me, this is when it starts to get at least somewhat serious, and it starts to really take interest in the Kentucky Derby, the three preps this weekend, the Gotham, the Tampa Bay Derby, and the San Felipe. And uh, the guy who will be with us throughout the Triple Crown uh, and throughout these Winners Club podcasts when it comes to horse racing is Matt Bernier. Uh, if you're here in Massachusetts, you're watching him on TVG all the time, almost every day. Uh, you're listening to the Matt Bernier Show, uh, and you're also seeing him on NBC breaking these races down. Look forward to seeing him uh, in Saratoga in a couple of months. Matt, happy derby season. Eight weeks away, my friend. It feels like it never ends, doesn't it? It feels <laughs> like when we, you know, we ramp up for the Breeders' Cup, it's a big thing. It comes, and then next thing you know, we're just turning the, turning the page, and we're looking at the two-year-olds, soon-to-be three-year-olds, and here we are now, the beginning of March. This is really when Derby season feels like it kind of comes to a fevered pitch because these leaderboards and the horses can come and go at the drop of a hat. It seems like things can get turned on their head before you know it. Yeah, and this is for me. I said this with the guys earlier. Uh, this I, I get to this point, eight weeks out is my sort of line of demarcation. This is where I start to put some note cards together, the real contenders, the buyer speeds have run so far the connection, just to have give it, get an idea. Is that an imaginary thing I've made up, or is this now when you get these three prep races, 50 points this weekend for the winners, which means they're going to be in the Derby if they win? Uh, do you look at this as a real ramp-up, uh, you know, the Fountain of Youth and this weekend? I think the way that you laid it out is, is the way that I look at it, and it's because of something you mentioned. It's the 50 points that go to the winner. Um, this is one of those spots where if you win one of these three races this weekend on the heels of last weekend's Fountain of Youth, if you win – you're in the starting gate for the yeah. Kentucky Derby. So that's why I feel like kind of as the, the point that you laid out, this is the time of year when when you actually start to see what this field is, I don't want to say probably going to look like, but very likely going to end up going gateward because it's just one of those things where we can talk about all the horses that look great leading into these races, but until the points really start getting thrown around, it's all just conjecture. We don't really know who's going to run, what path they're going to take, whatever the case may be. This weekend, or this round of preps, I should say, the 50 round, that's really when things start to come together because 
at that point, you've locked yourself in. The runner-ups of these races, they get 20 points, so they're already probably pushing the bubble. And that's before we get to the final round of 100-point preps. So this weekend, to me, this is really when things really start to – the picture becomes a little bit clearer. Do you like the way it's set up now, Matt? Because, you know, I, when, we, when I first got into horse racing, these three-year-olds raced a lot more. Uh, they raced a lot more as two-year-olds for the most part, uh, you know, even into the, the early part of the last decade. And then as three-year-olds, they had two, three, four, sometimes five races in the Kentucky Derby. Now, that just doesn't exist. The trainers want to have, you know, one big prep into the Derby. And to me, the limited sample size to see these horses, it adds to the frustration and the sort of roulette on horseback nature of the Derby. I prefer the old method where horses raced up to the Derby. Would you prefer this? Uh, Do you prefer we had before? What do you feel about the current setup of the Kentucky Derby, the format, the qualifying, and the lack of real racing heading into it? Well, I, I, I kind of agree with you in that it's a shame we don't get to see these horses run more, but I almost feel like that's just sort of a byproduct of this day and age in horse racing, where, I mean, even some of your top handicap horses, what are we going to see them four or five times throughout the course of the year? I mean, they just, for one reason or another, uh, I shouldn't say for one reason or another, economic reasons, they just don't run as frequently as they used to. And, and many of these connections, not only are they thinking, if you're thinking Derby and Triple Crown and, and these big grade one races, realistically, you're also in the back of your mind thinking stallion deals. And it, it's a shame that that's, that's part of the equation, but it is. I mean, let, let's just call it spade a spade that these connections, they want to win these races, but they also want to create stallions. And by doing that, you inherently are going to try to expose them the least amount that they can be exposed. If they can get out there, earn their credentials, and then you can just put them away, they don't really have an opportunity to lose races or throw in a clunker or get injured or whatever the case may be. I think it's just kind of a product of this day and age, but I am with you as far as this, the, the way that this path to the Derby goes now. Not only do we not get to see them run as much, which means we don't have as much to go by the first Saturday in May, but, boy, you better have your horse ready to go when you are running because if you if you have any kind of a hiccup at this time of year, it's over. You're not running in the Kentucky Derby. So uh, I think the onus is also sort of the the pressure is, is heightened for the connections where if we're going to do this, we're only going to run two or three times into the Derby. We, we need to make sure that we're going to have this horse in as good fashion as he possibly can be for whatever race we're going to run. And that ties into the horse that you and I both like, well, I'll get to in a second. I, Matt, as you're looking at these races, you're a full-time handicapper, you're on TV, breaking down races from all over the country on almost a daily basis and, and on NBC for these big, big races every year. What are you looking for in these preps? Do you have to see a win? Are there other things that you want to see as a handicapper from these horses if you want to project them forward to get the mile and a quarter when we get to Louisville first Saturday of May? For me, a big thing is progression. Uh, I don't necessarily need you to win the race, but especially at this point, if you get a horse coming up on Saturday that runs a good second or a good third, they take a step forward as far as their speed figures are concerned, uh, maturation-wise and and sort of mentality-wise, they look like they continue to improve and they're putting it all together. They're more professional on the racetrack. Those are the things that I'm looking for for this round. Obviously, it would be brilliant if you go out and win the race, but at least show me that you're trending the right direction. The last thing you want to see at this point anyway, in my opinion, is sort of a flat line. I don't want you to plateau at this point. I need you to continue to take steps forward. And that's a that's a very sort of individual opinion because some people like to see, you know, going from a making it up, an 80 buyer to a 98 buyer in their next start. I would much rather see a horse go from an 85 buyer to an 88 or a 90 buyer and then in their next start go up to a 93 or a 94 the smaller incremental improvements to me 
are more valuable when we get to a race like the Kentucky Derby than necessarily the horse that's going to jump up 25 points from start to start because I don't know if that's more of an aberration and it's actually, you know, maybe they have turned the corner and they've turned into a great horse or is it kind of a fluky performance on any given day? I don't know if I can or can't bank on that as opposed to the horse who continues to just sort of take each little step up the ladder each and every time. To me, at least that point, I'm going to look at it and say, I kind of know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get an honest effort. I'd like to see another forward move. If we don't get it, maybe the horse can't win, but at least you're trending the right direction as opposed to the the sort of up and down yo-yo kind of horse. One of the things I've been guilty of in the past, uh, you know, is getting too you know tied to a horse like a Derby horse too early, and it, it, it takes you a long time because you get you watch these horses. If you're a racing fan in the Northeast, you end up gravitating towards the New York horses. If you're like a trainer or a certain trainer, then maybe that's the horse you focus in on. There's still two months to go, so there's just there's so many things can happen. So I urge people not to get tied to a horse. That being said, on the Matt Bernier show, which I watched on YouTube uh, on Tuesday, you gave your Derby top five, and uh, you have uh, a bunch of horses in there across a different, and you gave different reasoning. And people want the full breakdown of Matt's uh, top five right now in the Derby. Check out the Matt Bernier show on iTunes. You can also see it uh, on YouTube. But I'm going to ask you right now to tell the people as of first week of March. Who is your number one horse right now in your rankings for the Derby? Uh, right now, number one is Governor Morris. Uh, he's a horse uh, by constitution. He's trained by Todd Pletcher. And he sort of, oddly enough, because it's Pletcher, it seems like it's even more of sort of a radical move. His most recent run came in an allowance race as opposed to a graded stakes race at Gulfstream or anywhere else. It was an allowance race at Tampa Bay Downs. This is a path that Pletcher has used rather effectively in the past, whether it was with always dreaming en route to winning the Kentucky Derby, uh, I believe outwork at one point, they had him run down there. He's had a number of horses, you know, Rosto point. He ran an allowance race early on as a three-year-old at Tampa and that sort of springboarded him onto what he ultimately became. Governor Morris ran a nice second in the breeders futurity at Keeneland last year as a two-year-old in behind Maxfield, Maxfield, sort of the buzz horse, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, he, he may have actually gone favored. Unfortunately, he couldn't run in that race, and he's still sort of working his way back to the races. But with Governor Morris, for his first start since October in that run down at Tampa, visually it didn't look great. He needed to really be pushed along, and he just kind of grinded it out. But to me, it's the perfect starting off point. There's no way that that was – that's not the goal. The goal is to have the horse ready to peak the first Saturday in May – I think he was rusty. I think we knocked much of the rust off. He's going to be a tighter version when he comes back to the next start, wherever that may be. The danger is, in all likelihood, you're going to really need to have the horse ready to go in order to accumulate the points that you need to get into the starting gate the first Saturday in May. The only good thing is it's early enough where, let's just say, the Rebel ends up being a spot for a horse like this. You still have the Arkansas Derby. You still have time for the Wood Memorial or any of the other final round preps. So, uh, Governor Morris, for me, he... It certainly needs points. There's no two ways around that. He's he's very low on the list, but um, he has the connections. Plus, obviously knows what he's doing. Uh, in theory, John Velasquez, who moved over to Tampa that afternoon yep. just to ride that one horse, uh, you would imagine that's a horse to tie on Johnny V's list. And I believe Velasquez actually has worked this horse out consistently in the morning. So he clearly thinks rather highly of him. I just think there's a lot to like about a horse like Governor Morris. Yeah, and I admit, like, this is, it's random that we end up on a similar horse. Now, I don't have to do a public top five or a derby dozen like Steve Haskin does. So I'm not, I'm not saying I rank him number one. But when the first future pools came out, he stood out like a sore thumb because Matt, he was thought of last summer as, as Pletcher's best two year old. 
And he he didn't lose anything in that loss to Maxfield. He made a big wide. He was a million wide. I think he was plus 30-something. Track is against Maxfield that day. Loom large, and then Maxfield just he ran the race of his life, and he just blew by him top of the stretch. And until that allowance race at Tampa, he had been on mothballs. And so when the first future book opened, and it was the first Derby future pool, he was 31 to 1, I jumped in. The second future pool, he still hadn't run, and he was 29 to 1, and I jumped back in. Back in. And you know, now you see he opened up at, you know, he's like 20 to 1 for this third pool this weekend. I don't think we had anything near that. When I was in Vegas a couple weeks ago for Wilder Fury, he was around 8, 9, 10 to 1. And for all the reasons you said, just from a price standpoint, I am his biggest fan right now because I'm invested in a number at 30 and 29 to 1, whatever it is, that just if he gets the points, he's going to be a real contender. But you just said it. They're talking about the Florida Derby. Every good horse in everyone's rankings running in the Florida Derby. And I hope selfishly he ends up in New York and runs in the wood and wins that, gets his points, and gets there. Because if he runs a bad race in the Florida Derby, I'll be ripping up my future tickets because he's not got the points to get in. I mean, that you want to talk about the ultimate roll of the dice because, in all likelihood, yeah. you're going to face it. You're going to face tis the law. You're probably going to oh. face one of the horses, whether it was the winner last weekend at the Indian of the Fountain of Youth or one of these other horses. You know, some of the horses running this weekend. I mean, well, I know Volante in Tampa. Chance it might wheel back. I mean, there's there's exactly you know, the top prospects are all pointing towards the Florida Derby. And and that's look, that's a dangerous proposition because if the horse isn't ready to go. You're kind of you're in a pickle here at this point. You may not be able to run the first Saturday in May. Having said that, if Fletcher is pointing for that race, knowing that Gulfstream is Todd's playground, I I have a feeling that they know what they've got, or they I shouldn't say that they know. No one knows until they do it. I think they have a very strong opinion of this horse. I think they're very high on him. Uh, I mentioned he's by Constitution. Yep. I, I'll be the first to admit I didn't love Constitution as a racehorse. He's been. Uh, he's off to just an exceptional start as a stallion. Yep. I, I just I think there's a lot to like about this horse. And look, until he does it, we won't know. But I, I think he's going to be that kind of horse that, like you said, you just laid out many of the future odds and all those sort of things. If he does what I believe probably the connections even think he's going to or he's capable of in the Florida Derby, you're going to be getting a fraction of that price for the Kentucky Derby. And maybe potentially fighting for favoritism. One, I don't want to do too many of the horses out there because it still is eight weeks out, but I'm just curious how you separate the two Bob Baffert horses, uh, Nadal and Charlatan. Both have run you know, big speed figures. Both are lightly raced. I mean, which, which one do you project to be the better of the two? Is one of these like justify 2.0? How do you go through these two Baffert horses that look like monsters, but they just haven't raced a lot so far? Nadal, I'm going to be very curious to see what we get coming out of his most recent run. I loved the race between he and Ginobili. And Ginobili, it sounds like they're going to just keep him going shorter, which I'm really thrilled about because I feel like he'll be a really top-flight sprinter this year for Richard Baltus. But those two horses, they, they got to do an absolute boxing match out there. And I'm going to be curious to see how both of them come out of that race wherever they show up next because – there's no guarantee that that didn't take some of the starch out of the two of them. And, and with it being so early in the season, that makes me a little bit unsure. I, I'm certainly not saying, you know, Nadal is, is a no hoper, not by any stretch. He's one of my top five horses, but I just, I want to see what he is going to do. You brought up the name justify and it's hard not to draw all the parallels between justify and charlatan because they debuted on the same weekend and <laughs> separated by two years. Uh, they both earned comparable speed figures Justify earned a 104 in his career debut. Charlton earned a 105. So Charlton was actually faster on the numbers for the career debut. He galloped out like 
I mean, he hadn't taken a deep breath. He went out there and buried that field. To me, look, from a gambling standpoint, if you're looking at future book odds, I, I have a difficult time taking either of them just because their yeah. prices are so short. But I'll tell you what, it, it feels like to me anyway, just my opinion, that if there is a freak in this entire group, it, I think it's Charlatan. I think Charlatan could be absolutely anything. And, I, you know, I was talking with some folks over at TVG this morning, and I think this is a pretty darn good group of three-year-olds. And Charlatan may be at the top of the list. And if he's a freak against a group like this, I mean, you're you're talking about a pretty special animal. Talent-wise for both of them, though, they're both exceptional. I really wouldn't separate either of them. Did you look at all in the uh, the Pool 3 Derby Futures that opened uh, on Friday? People listen to this, Matt. Did you take a peek? Uh, I, I've looked at a, a few of the numbers. Uh, I've also been looking in other areas where some other <laughs> numbers are available. Well, Believe yeah, you, you, you're right. You're right near there. Here in New England, look at the the, the, the future pools will be open. These numbers will be available uh, down in Rhode Island at Twin River. Uh, in New Hampshire, I honestly don't know what DraftKings. Uh, I, I don't think they offer uh, futures in the – you know what? I don't want to say that. Go Look on your DraftKings app if you're in the Granite State. Uh, you can look under horse racing and futures. I know they might offer it there. Here in Massachusetts, in New Hampshire, I know there's all, other places now in Mass. There's some FanDuel options you have, uh, at least online. Uh, and then at some point, they legalize sports betting. But, you know, at some point here in the state of Massachusetts, you can look at it. But, uh, yeah, I, I took a peek, and I, I mean, I, 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 unless, you know, uh, Governor Morris stays up there close to his 20-to-1 number, the other horses, like you said, all the, the horses that I think are going to be in the mix, Charlatan's 12-to-1, uh, that's way too short right now. Maxfield, 15-to-1, where has he been? Nadal, 10-to-1. Uh, Tis the Law, 8-to-1. It just feels like there's not a lot of value to me uh, outside of Governor Morris if he stays around where he is. And and after that, I don't know, I don't see much value on paper in this uh, in this third round of pool betting. And what from what I saw, you know, the the – the difficult thing with the sort of pool betting that is put out by Churchill Downs is yeah. there's a there's just a, there's a catch-all after about 25 horses where it's all of the three-year-olds. So even if you have an interesting opinion or there's a horse that you like that's a little bit under the radar, you're lumped into that group at nine to two or whatever yeah. they're being offered at. So that doesn't that doesn't really do me any. It doesn't get my juices flowing at all. I'm with you though, and it's it's the difficult thing about the future game. If anyone is new to it or they've never gotten down on future wagers. The only thing I would say is don't take anything close to a price on a horse that you think is remotely conceivable on Derby Day because some of these horses, I mean, we've seen in years prior, <laughs> the favorite for the Derby is three to one or four to one. So do I need to two months out tie up my money in the doll at 10 to one? No. When he nope, might be nope. four to one or five to one on Derby Day? I just, that to me, I, I, I'm sure some people are going to think this sounds silly. I would rather take five to one the day of the race, knowing how he's come into it, what he's looked like, how his final preps have gone, X, Y, and Z, as opposed to putting my money on 10 to one two months out. I just, I'd rather know the, the certainty of how he's come into the race, at least, as opposed to these future wagers now, this time. This is when you want to be trying to find some sort of inflated value, perhaps, on a horse like we've spoken about, like Governor Morris, where, look, maybe he doesn't get there, for all we know. But if he does, and he does what I think you and I think he's capable of, you might be looking at 8-1, to 10-1 Derby Day. And if you can get three times that price, 
maybe that's one you want to start taking a look at. Yeah, we've buried Governor Morris enough. He has no shot now that we've touted him so much. I was going to say, he, he won't even get to the race out. He's, he's, he's not getting there. We're, we're going to get an announcement this weekend that he's some sort of quarter crack, and he's out. We've, we've jinxed the hell out of him. So let's talk about the three races quickly this weekend. There are three races, 50 points apiece. The winner, as Matt said, is going to get in. We'll go east to west. We'll start with the Gotham that, uh, you know, look, there's a big full field, fun betting race, 11 horses in here, Matt, but... A bunch of them already been nominated for the Derby. Uh, I think three or four of them. I have no Derby nomination. Three or four really aren't even really being pointed to the Derby. Selfishly, I want to see Untitled run well. Untitled's the number 10 horse in the Gotham. Untitled just ran second to Governor Morris, the horse Matt and I have touted to death here on this podcast. Uh, but I, I, it leaves like a lot of speed. And look, if, if Untitled runs a big race, I'll be thrilled. But it feels like the, the pace on paper should set it up for a closer like Montauk uh, traffic for Linda Rice, who will be coming from the clouds. Quick thought on the Gotham, the grade three event, uh, 542 Eastern time on Saturday. I think it's a really good race. I think there's talent top to bottom. The, the sort of the problem is I know there's derby points on the line. I don't know how many of these horses are really derby prospects. Yeah. I could see these horses getting ready for, for races like the Pat Day Mile, the Woody Stevens, you know, the Allen Jerkins up at Saratoga over the summer. I feel like there are more of those types in this race than, than proper derby prospects. Uh, you brought up Untitled. I think he's a very talented horse. He'll appreciate the turn back as far as the mile and 40 yards down at Tampa, two turns to the one-turn mile in New York. I, look, Mischievous Alex looks like he could be anything. He's yep. still a little bit green, but very, very talented. But it's also telling that John Service and company, they have made it abundantly clear. We have no idea how far the horse is going to go. There's going to be a certain point that he may not want to go any farther. So beware of that. Obviously, it shouldn't matter on Saturday, but something to think about the horse that i've just really been taken by down in florida and they're going to send him north is attachment right for dale romans i just he's another one he hasn't changed the leads in either of his two most recent starts which is a little bit of an alarming piece but i just love the way that he's rolled he finished second to market analysis two starts back market analysis we'll talk about here in a little bit he's a really talented runner for pletcher and in that most recent run i just like that attachment rate could get into the run a little bit earlier than maybe we had seen in that first start off the long, long layoff. I, to me, if he stays, I believe he was somewhere around 5-1 to one on the morning line. I think that's very, very fair uh, attachment rate. I'm anxious to see what we get from him as the water gets considerably deeper. Yeah, Dale Roman's trying to bounce back off a uh, tough weekend. Well, I shouldn't say tough weekend. Mr. Freeze ran off the page, but uh, Dennis's moment in his return, the Fountain of Youth, did not run well. He sends attachment rate north to New York on Saturday, 10 minutes earlier than that, although the post-drag, who knows when these races will go <laughs> off. Uh, 5.32 scheduled, the 11th running at Tampa. It's the uh, Grade 2 Tampa Bay Derby, and this one feels more narrow to me. Um, I think you look on paper, Chancet, who scratched out of the Fountain of Youth and shipping across the state for Sophie Joseph. Market analysis for Todd Pletcher, you mentioned. Sola Volante for Patrick Biancone, who's back in our lives. I did not expect this uh, 10, 15 years <laughs> later. For Patrick Biancone to be back on the Derby Trail. Uh, but there are three or four of these that feel around the same sort of horse to me. And if you know, Chancet runs his best race, I think he's got a shot at, a, at unfortunately, kind of a favoritism uh, situation. Your thoughts on the Tampa Bay Derby, is it as simple as those top three or four, or do you see it more wide open, a field of 12 at Tampa? You know, I probably need to do a little bit more of a deeper dive, but on paper, I mean, it does look like it's Sola Volante. It looks like it's Chance It, and then the Pletcher Trio. Yeah. And and if any one of those can take that step forward, uh, they're certainly interesting. Spa City is a little bit of an intriguing runner coming in for Kieran, uh, and arguably one of his last runners under his name because he's obviously switching over to uh, become a jockey agent for Luis Saez. I just I'm I'm having a difficult time figuring out what I think of 
the Tampa Bay pass to the Derby because it's been productive in the past. But at a mile and a 16th, I don't know how much you're really going to learn on Saturday. You're going to learn maybe about some of these horses that either they're coming out of the maiden ranks or, I mean, heck, one of Pletcher's horses is still a maiden. Um, but you'll learn something there. I don't know that you're going to learn a ton as far as Kentucky Derby prospects going forward because theoretically these horses are probably going to run at least one more time, I would imagine. Uh, I know the winner will get their 50 points, but it's early March, and do you want that to be your final prep going eight and a half furlongs for a 10 furlong race yeah. two months from now? I, I would I'd venture a guess one of these horses, or at least a, a handful of them, will run at least one more time. So that's probably the thing I'm most interested in seeing on Saturday in this race. Obviously, you want to see how the horses run, but who's going to take a step forward and prove that they actually belong, and where then might they run again? Would they run in the bluegrass at Keeneland or the Wood Memorial four weeks from now up at Aqueduct. I just, this race feels like it's in a little bit of a tweener position to me as far as the derbies are concerned. Uh, the late one on Saturday will be out at Santa Anita. It's race number eight, the San Felipe. But I think from a top-level talent standpoint, this is the race. Uh, Honor AP, authentic, thousand words, storm the court, wrecking crew. Uh, and Bob Baffert's got two big ones here. Uh, you're out in California for TBG, Mac. Give me your take on the San Felipe. Is it as simple as one of the two Bafferts in the eighth race on Saturday? I mean, this is the cream of the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this is, you know, it may not be the biggest field, but you have four legitimate what feel like derby types. And then you've got three other horses that, you know, you don't want to totally write them off, but they look like they're talented runners. They may just be up against it. Um, authentic, as impressive as he was in the sham. I hated his antics down the lane. He nearly put Drayden Van Dyke over the inner, inner rail. Uh, rumor is that he'll go post word this week with some earplugs to try to kind of stay the stay the course and, and keep his focus. Um, I think he's just still very green and at a short price. I don't know that I necessarily need him uh, thousand words. If I'm being just totally honest, I thought he was the second best horse in the Robert Lewis behind Royal act. Royal act carried a considerable amount of ground more than thousand words did. And only was defeated by three quarters of a length in his first start on dirt. Uh, I'm not suggesting thousand words should be overlooked. I mean, the horse is a perfect three for three, but I don't know that I need him at a short price then that leaves Storm the Court and Honor AP. As far as Storm the Court is concerned, I think he's talented. I think the San Vicente was a good tightener. You're going to kind of shake the rust off a little bit. I still don't know if he can pass horses, though. His two best runs have come when he's out there dictating things on the front end. I have a hard time imagining that happening on Saturday, and that leads me to Honor AP. And, you know, I don't know if this horse is going to end up being, you know, the bee's knees or not, but Apparently, he looks like a million dollars out there. They almost paid a million dollars for him back at Bates and Tipton in 2018 up in, uh, in August. He just, I, I like both of his starts as a two-year-old, one rallying from well off of it. The other one, he went out to the front and said, come and catch me. He beat a nice horse in Tism Magician, the, the career debut. He ran behind Ginobili, who I spoke about earlier, who I think is going to be a really nice sprinter for this three-year-old group. I'm going to be most interested in Honor AP probably both from a wagering standpoint and from just overall, what do we get from him? Because I expect the Baffert horses to run. I expect Storm the Court to show up with his good, honest effort. Honor AP, though, I feel like the ceiling for him is at least on par with the Baffert horses, if not potentially higher. The problem is I could also see this being a bit of a clunker for him. So I I don't know what you're going to get from him. Uh, John Sheriff's numbers off the layoff have really, they've been very, very impressive of late. And I feel like he's only placing horses where he thinks they belong. If he and Smith 
are bringing this horse back in a race like this, and you knew you're going to catch at least one good baffer, you're going to get two, unfortunately. I just I, I think Honor AP is, is a fascinating candidate going forward, not just on Saturday, but but down the road. He might be the real deal. Well, one of three 50-point races this weekend. We'll get the, 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 the at Fairgrounds coming up. We'll get the 100-point race. Louisiana Derby, we're going to get UAE Derby, we're going to get Florida Derby, but then the next big weekend, uh, Matt mentioned it in, in that first that first week of April, the, it'll be a lot clearer next time we talk. And you know, The Wood Memorial, the Bluegrass, and the Santina Derby, all that Saturday, April 4th. So we'll try to connect Matt four weeks from now, heading into those races. We'll see if Governor Morris uh, is racing there or he's already raced. We'll see if we've uh, touted him to death at that point. Uh, and between now and then, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to get ourselves ready for the Derby by following Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore Bernier, uh, listening to the Matt Bernier Show, or watching it on YouTube as Matt uh, every Monday kind of breaks down what happened over the weekend. Some excellent breakdown for uh, the big Derby prep races, and obviously check them out on TVG and later on this year on NBC. Matt, excellent stuff. Good luck this weekend. We'll catch you on TV and. Uh, we'll talk that first week of April for the big 100-point races uh, that uh, 4th of April, that Saturday. Sounds good. And like you say, things will be clearer at that point, and they'll get even clearer after that weekend. I mean, I hope so. I hope so. I was gonna say, if, if, if they don't get any clearer, we're all in trouble. Matty, thanks. Good luck. Hey, bud. Great wow, stuff, what, what an interview. Wow, it was amazing. <laughs> Matt, you crushed that. I said a lot of nice things. Proud of you. Matt said some good things. And uh, if you're a horse racing fan, tell your friends, subscribe and download to the Winners Club. You are so geared up right now for horse racing. It's I'm shaking right now. Did I have seven co- coffees today? Yes. Mutt has changed excited? his pants yes. four times. I did. Uh, Searsucker pants are now on for yes. the post. Now, I got to call out Matt Bernier because when you asked him how I should get into Lady Gaga at Fenway, he literally just said the plot of the town. <laughs> he said. He, <laughs> Which has a lot of holes in it. If you ever do a town podcast, I'll the come town, back and do that. I love that movie. So, okay. Oh, you're going to bury woman, the money in the backyard this woman, that, in, in the garden? That's, okay, that's gotcha. how you're going to work it? Sure. This woman would never stick with a bank robber who she just met. And then at the end of the movie, it's like him down in Florida staring out over the, over the Everglades with like all this music. It's like, Dear Claire. It's like, you're writing <laughs> her a letter Claire. now? Dear like, Claire. You guys had no, they had nothing in common. Jeremy Renner, though. That, that was a start to fame right there. Can we get it that? It was? Was that before? That oh, was yeah. like his first big oh, movie. Yeah. That was before. Is it before Hurt Locker? Yep. Bef- oh no, 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 that uh, was no. That, no. Hurt You're Locker right. was like oh seven. Hurt, Hurt Locker was his claim to fame. He's 09. unbelievable. Hurt, in Hurt Locker was oh nine because I was a senior in high school. Hurt Locker was oh nine. Then he was in the town, and I think it was twenty eleven, and then he became Hawkeye. No, no, no. Oh nine was the town. The town was oh nine. Then Avengers was also okay. Online. Save this for okay. the Dork Podcast. Yeah, apparently. Any other podcasts you want to plug here at WWE? Uh, yeah, actually, it's a network. I have recently, last two weeks, and will yeah, be no, again yeah, this Shine's coming week. Now on the Lucy and Elaine podcast, I am the Bachelor representative here at the po- at the uh, station. I've heard great things from Lucy Burge about this, by the way. It is tremendous television, and I provide tremendous commentary because I know more than any man should ever know about the Bachelor. And I personally love it. It is cringeworthy television, so I watch it every week. So, uh, Lucy and Elaine Pod, stay tuned for them. We also have the Five Out Podcast. Nick Fryer's been on here a bunch, so you know them already. So he, yeah, he don't even listen to his podcast. If you want Fryer content, <laughs> tune into us. Although I heard they rip Ordway, so you want to listen. They do. To it this they week. got in a beef with. Uh, they, well, they started playing their sound too. Oh, good. Well, seeing as Final. one of their producers is on the podcast, I that, hope so. that makes sense. But Fryer had this headline last week when he said, like, it was it was essentially was the Celtics lost to the Lakers a statement loss was the headline, and Lou ripped him for it. So of course it I think that means you're in, right? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Once that happens, yes, you're in. Nice. That's how it works. Uh, we also have the Bradfoe Show, of course. I don't know if Bradfoe's gotten anybody this week, uh, but he will be back down at Fort Myers next week, so I can only assume he'll get fantastic Red Sox guests during spring training. Sean McAdams probably pissed. 
<laughs> Rob's going to go take his AM radio hey, shifts. Sh- Sean's been doing a great job on I'd play I'd say he was play. doing a bad job. I was hanging out with him and Mita Perel the other day. It's a great day. Three and a half hours of that. Much just vomited over the corner. <laughs> no, just hanging out. By the way, Renner might have the best three-movie okay. run of okay. all time. We're done we with go. that. Yeah, we're done. Uh, wish me a happy Thanksgiving. Happy and enjoy. Thanksgiving. Thanks. And enjoy the rest of your weekend.